Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome back to Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Now, today we have a full house again. I'm getting kind of used to this and kind of spoiled, but nonetheless, I'm happy to always have these guys with me. He's my co host. We have uh, John, you can follow him on Twitter at John Margo23. We have our resident celebrity, Zach Braff. You can follow him on Twitter at BraffZ. And we have George, that we like to call Jorge, but only we can call him that. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontanez90. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is a little cracked. I'm under the weather, so I apologize. But besides my issues, obviously I'm going to push through this and we're going to have a good time. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. Drafts are over, ready to get the season started. Uh, I'm with you, man. Hey, man. Zach here. I am I'm ready for the season to start. I'm pumped that my fantasy drafts are over with and... Time to get on to the regular season now. Yeah, I second that, Zach. This is John. We had quite the day of drafting yesterday. And we'll we'll look into that a little bit further here. Yeah, so uh, John kind of hinted at it. This episode's going to cover our listeners' league. But beyond that, it's crazy to say this, but we're actually going to cover a little bit of waiver wire. There are some ads to be made out there, some last-minute injuries that we talked about briefly last episode, like Matt Olson and Scooter Jeanette. Well, we're going to provide some names, especially for you guys in deeper leagues that you might want to target and maybe add to your rosters going forward. So obviously, before we get to our waiver wire ads that we like this week, and before we get to that listeners league review, we're going to talk about some more news because obviously you can't go a day without some, some scares or some news of some sort. So the first thing that comes to mind, I don't know, I'm sure everybody saw it. Everybody was holding their breath. But Jose Ramirez hit that foul ball off his leg and couldn't even bear weight. It was actually a really scary video. He had to be carted off. X-rays came back negative. He was back on the field today for practice. He was taking some grounders. It looks like he'll be ready for the opening day or shortly after. Big sigh of relief. You could could breathe now. But some people were actually able to draft during the news and got huge, huge um, value out of where they got him. So if you were one of those people, congratulations. Good for you. I know I was somebody, if I was drafting while that news, before the news broke, that he was healthy, personally, I would have been avoiding him myself, so. Um, I was actually drafting as the news was breaking and picked him in the 10th pick, and I was sweating for hours. I was just sweating bullets. I, I mean, yeah, I was, I was really upset. <laughs> well, it's better that the news broke and not his leg broke, so, I mean, that worked out for you. You have no idea how relieved I was to hear that he did not break his leg. He should be fine, he should be... All systems go come day one. So if you do have a good draft coming up, draft with confidence. In other news, the Braves and the Marlins rotations, they kind of surprised us. I know George really is eager to talk about these. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Braves and Marlins actually followed the uh, Brewers' lead and went ahead and 
gave their young upside arms a shot at their in the rotation. Uh, we got the Braves rotation. Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, and Max Fried will be getting starts. Uh, now, who knows you know, which one's going to have that staying power in the rotation when Gausman and Fultonevich come back. Um, my guess is that Will Fried, I mean, I'm sorry, Max Fried would be the first one going to the bullpen, but uh, we'll see how, how they start that year. I, I, I really like Bryce Wilson personally. Um, and then over to Miami's rotation, they did name Caleb Smith, uh, Trevor Richards, and Sandy Alcantara to the rotation and uh, released Dan Straley. So that was that was really interesting. My guy here, I, I, I like uh, Caleb Smith. He, him and Richards especially both had outstanding springs. Caleb Smith in 13 innings struck out 19 guys and only walked one batter. So that's uh, he, he's really got some good stuff. Uh, Richards as well, you know, lights out. So Alcantara is interesting too. Uh, he does walk a lot more guys still. So, but he he's gonna have those. He's gonna they're letting him go through those growing pains in in the rotation. So all these guys are are interesting. You know, again, Wilson Smith for me are are my favorites here. But I, I really like that the Braves and and the Marlins are giving these guys a, a shot. And uh, not to mention, the Marlins actually sent down uh, Chen as well. Or not sent down, but demoted him to a middle relief spot or bullpen spot. So, again, they're giving the young guys a chance. I like where they're going with this. And you forgot to mention Pablo Lopez, man. He's been looking electric. I refuse right. to. I'm, I'm, I'm just, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm just a lowly Marlins fan. I'm stuck <laughs> in sports purgatory. It's going to happen. But I'm just excited because our pitching, even though it's spring training, just looks so strong. Unfortunately, it's also in one of the strongest divisions in the league right now. So if there's anything to be excited about, I guess it's our young pitching over here on the Marlins side. But Yeah, no, I agree with, with George. Um, I think they made some good decisions, especially the Marlins staff, letting these young guys pitch. I mean, Straley, I mean, Straley, let's be real. He's, he's a four or five on any team. I mean, for a team that's pretty much going nowhere this year, you might as well give a shot to some of the young guys. I'm a big Alcantara guy. I have him on a few teams, picked him very late, top prospect pedigree. He does walk a lot of guys, but, I mean, he, he throws hard. He strikes a lot of guys out, um, a lot of upside with him. And like the other guys that they were saying, I mean, Caleb Smith, Lopez, uh, Trevor Richards, all should be very interesting guys this year. But don't forget about the Braves rotation. Kyle Wright, I called that on the last episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out this year. But yeah, it should be interesting to see. And like, like Mike said, it's going to be a tough division. Obviously, the Mets, you need to look out for them, of course. <laughs> but it should, be a, it should be an interesting division for sure. All right, moving on from the rotation talk, I see some uh, news on Kershaw. He threw a successful stimulated game today. Anytime you see positive news when it comes to Kershaw, you're waiting for the setback at this point. I feel like every time he throws for a day, he takes two steps backwards. But um, it seems like everything's looking good going forward. He's supposed to be possibly missed most, if not all, of April, it says here. I think that was already baked into his new draft price the last couple of weeks. So now there seems to be more, a more firm outline. And at least you know that he should be back by the end of April, not, not just being getting healed up. Essentially, he's already going through the rehab process, so he should be come back and firing a full um, full cylinder. So, sounds like he's going to miss maybe what, like two or three starts to miss the season. If all goes well, I mean, if that's the case, and he's falling in your drafts, I really think you should scoop him up. I mean, two or three starts in the end, it's really not it's not going to make that much of a deal. You want him towards the finish rather than the start anyway. 
Yeah, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. He'll get his scheduled days off anyway. Yeah, routine maintenance, phantom injury, call it what you want. And yesterday was was a, was a fun day. We had two closers named, which is always helpful. Even though it was the end of spring training, we already all drafted our teams. Colome and Greg Holland both got call, uh, named the closers yesterday. Colome was fighting with Herrera for this position, but it really wasn't much of a of a fight. Colome came in healthy. Herrera didn't. I think Colome keeps the job for the time being, but they signed Herrera to a two-year deal. I think Herrera ends up getting the job down the line, if not sooner than later even, because now he's getting healthy. He's ramping up activity. But the one that I hang my hat on proudly, the Greg Holland deal, we called this one about a month ago. We've been touting Holland, <laughs> and I put it on Twitter, so I'm a little bit of a humble brag. We've been touting Holland as a deep sleeper for a while now because of this very situation. I don't think he's the best guy in that bullpen, but as far as cheap saves go, this was a guy I was targeting because it just all made sense. They, they signed an older guy to a one-year deal, and they're a team that's going nowhere. It only makes sense they're going to try to trade him come midseason. But until then, they're probably going to give him every opportunity to show he can't be the closer, essentially. So cheap saves, he was cheap anyway. I think a couple drafts yesterday, he was jumping up like at least 100 picks in ADP because now that he's been named the closer, he's getting that respect. And people chase saves in, in pretty much every roto league. So I would definitely name I would keep on my draft list going forward if you have a draft in the next couple of days still. So with Holland, I think this is a guy, I mean, even with the news that broke yesterday, I think people still need to tread carefully. Right now in spring training, he's got an ERA at about 12, and he's barely topping out at 90 miles an hour right now. We saw what he did last year. First half, he had an awful first half. Second half, he really turned it on, kind of got back to the Holland form of 2017. So like I said, I would, I would tread carefully. It's a nice, cheap source of saves, but you need to kind of – have some perspective on this. I mean, he could really, he could really hurt your, your ERA, your whip in Roto points leagues. I mean, he could be given up three, four runs. I mean, it, it, it could backfire, but it's a good cheap source of saves, but just tread carefully is my recommendation. Sorry guys. Breaking news. Yeah. The junior was apparently on the ground screaming in pain, holding his knee and had to be helped off the field. Couldn't put any pressure. Oh boy. Salza, Jr.? Yeah. Yeah, Souza scored on a Ketel Marte double, but stumbled and fell when he crossed home plate and fell to the ground in agonizing pain. He eventually wow. got to his feet, but had to be helped off the field without putting any pressure on his left leg. Not good. So if Souza is out, what does that do for Arizona? That, that gives Adam Jones full-time at-bats, move Ketel Marte back to the outfield? I would Maybe or Flores takes over second base? I would say definitely Marte moves moves back to the outfield. Center field, I, probably. I exactly. I would say center field. I would say he's probably going to hit leadoff because that's where he's been on roster resources this whole offseason anyway. I don't see why that's going to change. But now there's everyday bats guaranteed for everybody on these on this lineup. I think Jones gets a boost. I think Cattell Marte gets that. He gets that boost that I was putting on him earlier in the offseason because now I think there's no real challenge to his playing time, and he's definitely going to gain outfield eligibility. So now you're looking at. And that guy who's going to be eligible for three positions. We're not trying to be insensitive about the Sousa injury. We never like to see injuries, but it is our job to essentially break down how it, does, how it affects fantasy. Again, guys, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. It sounds like a really bad injury. I hope it's not. I hope everyone's overreacting like Ramirez because it's just bad. Injuries are bad for the sport in general. But with that being said, again, we, we have to talk how it affects fantasy-wise. So, 
so no one needs to add us on Twitter for being insensitive. We're just trying to give you the initial reaction and how it affects fantasy purposes. That's all. Otherwise, we wish nothing but good health for players. And the real, the last piece of news I think we should discuss, Senzel, he, and he exited a uh, minor league game today with what appears to be an apparent ankle injury. Senzel appeared to depart a minor league game today with an ankle injury. It's not clear at this point how he suffered the injury or how serious it might be, but the Reds are waiting results of, the, of an exam. I don't know if that's an MRI or an X-ray. It doesn't really specify here in the notes I'm reading. What do you guys think? I mean, Senzel is like a draft day darling. People really were hyping him up. People thought maybe he'd get an outside chance at the, after uh, Jeanette went down. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of uh, Senzel on a lot of teams, and it's not good news at all. I feel yeah. like this keeps happening every year. He had a few freak injuries last year, and it it, it stunts with his, with his development time in the minor leagues. I mean, that's probably why he's not in the majors right now. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate it keeps happening. Hopefully he gets a chance. But I mean, this is definitely going to push back the two-week delay to the service time talk. I mean, you're probably looking at, if this is a serious injury, I mean, at least a month probably. I mean, he probably won't be up till May now, which is unfortunate, especially for fantasy players that took him probably pretty early. He's been going in the top 150-ish, I'd say roughly, which is still relatively an area where you're building a team. So People are taking that risk on him. I mean, I hope he can get healthy because he seems like he's going to be a hell of a ball player. But he, like you said, those knickknack injuries are piling up. It's getting to a point now where when he's finally just able to stop getting those little things, man. Yeah, you don't want to see him turn it on when he's like 26, 27 here. I mean, it would be nice to see him do it while he's 23, 24 in his prime here. Right. I'd rather have him in the majors on a, on a DL spot now than an NA spot if anyone has NA spots on their teams as well. So. That's true for some some leagues. I know there's a couple leagues that don't I play in that don't have them. A lot of leagues I play in do. So, gotta be mindful. He might be on your waiver wire. That's a guy that's gonna be a tough one to hold on to in a, in a team. Like some some leagues don't have a lot of DL spots, and there's a lot of hurt players right now. He's a, in a shallow league. He might be on your waiver wire. I don't know. What would you do in a shallow league? In a shallow league, I think he's probably a drop. I mean, you don't know when he was gonna come up, and now you know if if he's seriously injured. It's going to be really hard to hold on to him. I'm kind of with you, and I would say a shallow league is probably your 10-teamers. And when we refer to shallow leagues, it's a lot of times we're referring to 10-team mix. Some 12-team mix, like I know there are 12-team mix leagues where, for me, they're kind of shallow, but it's to each level, player's level. Everybody plays different size leagues. But definitely 10-teamers, I would say. I, would, I, would, I could see him being a drop or somebody that's on your wire. Just put him on your watch list. But keep an eye on him because if you see – if this is like minor and he's healthy, in two weeks you might want to scoop him up or in a week from now you might want to scoop him up even because he might be up sooner than later. So he's just a guy to keep an eye on. Again, just be ready to snatch him before everybody else is if he's on your way of wire. Uh, we, just got a, we just got an update on Senzel actually. <laughs> X-rays came back negative. He'll be getting an MRI tomorrow. So definitely just keep an eye on – on uh, the Senzel news. Talk about time, that's perfect. The fact that they're getting an MRI, though, is a little concerning because, like with Jose Ramirez, they, they didn't even send him for an MRI. You know, they didn't think it was going to be that serious, obviously. So I'm wondering with the X-ray, you know, it's negative. The fact that they're going the MRI route, it could just be an extra step, extra precaution, but then maybe there's more ligament concern because it's an ankle. That covers a lot of the relevant news that's gone down in the last few days since the last episode. Next thing we're going to go ahead and cover is uh, Scooter Jeanette replacements. Scooter Jeanette, as everybody knows, went down with a groin injury. I think it's 8 to 12 weeks. 
is the time frame of recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, what we have here is a list of some names that we would probably recommend if someone's in a pinch. These are more of deeper league guys, but some names include Jeff McNeil, Brandon Lau, because apparently it's not low, even though I swore it was low this whole time. Kiki Hernandez, Pinder, and Josh Harrison. Some are deeper names than others, like Josh Harrison's a pretty deep name. I know personally, my top guy for, for, out of this group is going to be Jeff McNeil. I talked him up in my deep sleepers, but now he's becoming less of a deep sleeper. He's moving up in ADP because he's been guaranteed a starting position to start the year. He should be starting at third base. He offers a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, solid batting average. He reminds me a lot of LeMayhew and maybe a little less batting average, but just that type of guy you could plug in. Feels kind of safe, but offers still a little bit of excitement and upside. I agree with you, Mike. I think McNeil, obviously this is coming from your resident Met guru over here. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of good hot Mets takes this year. I think. <laughs> if people don't know, if people can't hear the love for Alonzo, and if, if, I mean, it doesn't hurt that I'm over here touting Conforto like crazy every, every damn episode. Now you're over here like, please give me more. So, yeah, come on, Mets guy. McNeil. We'll, we'll get into this more when we review the draft, but I'm just yeah, going to say that I'm not the only one that's uh, enjoying these Mets takes. But anyway, Jeff McNeil, I think it's a very good pick. I mean, he's only owned in about 12% of Yahoo leagues right now. I took him in our listeners league uh, yesterday at pick 289. I was very excited about it. Like Mike said, he's he's going to be starting third base for the foreseeable future until Frazier Lowry come back. He has second base eligibility right now. Right now, it's only second base in Yahoo, but figure third base should be added within the first week or two. They're also talking about using him in the outfield as well. So figure a nice multi-positional guy on your roster, whether you feel like starting him or as a bench guy. Uh, This guy hits for for average. He's added some pop in the past few years in the minor leagues. He'll steal you a couple bases as well. I mean, if he he can get 500 at-bats, I mean – it's not out of the question that he might be able to hit 15, 20 home runs, 15, 20 stolen bases, somewhere in that take, 300 average. The guy, a comp for me, is another former Met, Daniel Murphy. I mean, it's a very similar type swing, obviously similar positions, second, third base. So, I mean, it's it's a good replacement. And even if you if you didn't lose Scooter Jeanette, um, I think McNeil is a great add for any team looking for some depth as well. I'd say my next favorite guy to target off this list of, you know, you said deeper league guys is, is Brandon Lau. And a lot of that just goes back to his upside. You have a guy who walks almost a minimum of 10% of the time all the way through his minor leagues, so up to last year. His K percentage spiked a little bit when he got to the pros last year for his cup of coffee, but usually a pretty solid guy. But all around, you're looking at a guy who has some power, some speed, and I think it just offers the most upside here, or at least second most to McNeil, I would say. He offers a good amount of upside, and it could be fun to – have on your team I, I like guys that I kind of root for kind of I mean maybe it's a little less of a fantasy take more of like a real life take but I think low just offers a higher ceiling but maybe a lower floor than the next two guys I really I kind of pair together so so besides low who like I said I usually would maybe target after McNeil these next two are kind of for me very similar you have Kiki Hernandez and Pender and what really what for me really helps boost their value is that they're both multi-position eligibility they both have I believe second shortstop in outfield and both could gain, both could gain on that. Pinder has a chance to gain some first base eligibility if he plays for Olsen. I like Pinder more than Hernandez though, because Hernandez can lose that job at any minute. Who knows anymore with the Dodgers. So I would definitely like Pinder more similar stats. And I know John, you like Pinder as well. 
Yeah, Pinder. I think they were talking about putting Profar at first base and then and then Pinder um, over at second. I like where he bats in that lineup. He's going to be batting fifth, right behind Chris Davis, uh, hopefully. And I think that's a good spot with that potent lineup: Chapman, Piscotty, Chris Davis, Pinder, and then Profar. It's a solid lineup. No, definitely. And a multi-position eligibility is huge for a guy like Pinder because that that should keep him on the field a ton, but also there's a lot smaller of a chance that he loses playing time compared to Kiki. Again, both offer, both offer similar stats, both offer that same positional eligibility. So in your deeper leagues, both have their value. I would just personally lean Pinder oh, over Kiki. And I, I know John agrees with me, but in your deeper leagues now, you have Josh Harrison that I know, I know George is a fan of his and likes to target him. So, yeah, absolutely. Harrison, he's only owned in 3% of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, he really broke out with some power in 2017, uh, hitting 16 home runs, 12 steals, hitting 272. Last year, he did break his hand and missed six weeks with a broken hand. He is going to lead off now for the Tigers. Uh, I think he's got sneaky double-digit homer and steal upside with some decent batting average. He's going to score some runs uh, leading off there. Harrison's definitely someone that to keep an eye on. You could definitely pick up uh, as a replacement, maybe maybe for a middle infielder position. He's virtually unowned everywhere right now, and uh, he actually had a really good year as recently as 2017. So just to recap, we covered a little bit of Jeff McNeil, Brandon Lau, Chad Pender, Kiki Hernandez, and Josh Harrison. And those are all names that we'd like to look for for Scooter Jeanette replacements. And these are, like I said, some of your deeper leagues, shallower leagues, you'll have better options. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to the waiver wire. And crazy, it's blowing my mind, but we're already talking waiver wire. It's already happening. I mean, you have guys getting injured left and right. So you have people going on their IL spots. Some of the guys we mentioned before, as far as scooter replacements, are also waiver wire ads, so keep those in mind. But we also have a few other names that we would like to discuss. Each of us are going to go around, give you a name or two that we are looking at, mostly in deeper leagues, because, again, most of these drafts just happen. In shallow leagues, you're not making drastic changes to your teams. Deeper leagues, you're always looking for that diamond in the rough. So we'll, st- we'll start with John. John, who, who's somebody you're going for off the waiver wire already? Well, I know I noticed uh, CC Sabathia is getting suspended for five games at the beginning of the season, and the Yankees are going to give Jonathan Loizaga a chance to come up and show what he's made of. He got sent down, but he's coming right right back up as soon as Sabathia is suspended. But he is someone that could break out this year. He has a really good upside. If you have any spots, he's not taking up any space on your roster. Jonathan Loizaga, keep an eye out for him. So Zach, who's the guy that you're? targeting off the waiver wire for week one already so a guy that i'm targeting i actually already spoke about this guy last week and that guy is dakota hudson he he's not available in any of my leagues because he's on all of my teams because <laughs> i'm that high on him but this guy he's only 12 percent owned in yahoo leagues right now like i said last time he was just named the fifth starter and after he was named fifth starter he actually went out uh, i believe it was on saturday and he pitched uh, six scoreless innings against the Nats. Um, and it's not like they were thrown out um, like a, a B-squad team. I mean, they had some legitimate players in that lineup, and he dominated that lineup. So if you're looking for a pitcher to with some upside at, at the tail end of the draft or a waiver wire pick, I mean, this guy, he's being taken outside the top 350 right now. 
he should be available in in most formats, but it's somebody that you should definitely look at picking up. He's got relief pitcher eligibility. A lot of fantasy players like to put a starting pitcher that has relief pitcher eligibility in their pitcher slot. This might be a good guy to do that as well and eat some innings. I would definitely run to your waiver wire and check to see if this guy is there. And if he is, you should definitely scoop him up. I actually lied. I don't have him in all of my leagues. In the listeners league we drafted yesterday, John sniped him from me late in the draft and took him out. No, right no, no, no. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll wait till we'll wait till later for that. You hold you hold off on your anger. People Ding. never forget, John. People never forget. You're showing your you're showing your New Yorker side now. You know that? <laughs> like it's not just a team bias, it's an attitude, apparently as well. It's okay. I'm from, that's okay. I'm from Philly. I can take it. That's true. Uh, and you'll beat him with it. Um <laughs> George, a, a guy or two that you like off the waiver wire, or potentially on the waiver wire, I should say, going into this week? Uh, yeah, just going back to the earlier news with the Miami Marlins starting rotation, uh, Caleb Smith, if he's out there, uh, I, I'd recommend keeping an eye on him, maybe scooping him up, uh, depending on how shallow your league is. Uh, he, Like I said, he had a very strong spring. Uh, that's one thing you like to look at in spring training with pitchers is their command and only walking one batter to 19 strikeouts is really good. So I recommend uh, definitely picking up Caleb Smith. Another guy that you could possibly uh, take a look at in deeper leagues is Yandy Diaz for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's going to be the opening day third baseman for them. They did give up quite a bit. They gave up Jake Bowers to get him from Cleveland. He started hitting the ball really hard last year. He's going to get a chance uh, around the diamond, at least until Matt Duffy comes back. But uh, he could definitely earn some regular at-bats there. And he, he also had a very strong spring. So just a couple of names to, to keep an eye on. And I, I definitely recommend picking up Caleb Smith, though. A couple guys I've been adding off the waiver wire here this final week. One is Kiki Hernandez. But that goes back to the fact that McNeil and Brandon Lau if I'm picking up Kiki, it's because I already own those two. <laughs> but those are guys I am targeting actively. I'm not, you know, it's not just a suggestion. It's people I'm actually rostering myself. But a name that we haven't mentioned is uh, Solaire. I know. I sigh just thinking about it. But he has the prospect pedigree. He was a great prospect in the Cubs system. Traded away. Was finally having what appeared to be a breakout start to last year. Again, I feel like he always has these breakout periods throughout every year. And then he got hurt and never really returned to form. This spring, going back to how spring starts, he's having a good spring. He's mashing. Just a, a guy I like to target late. Or no, sorry, not target late. But he's a guy I've been adding on waiver wires because now with all these extra spots I'm gaining from play, players going on the IL, he's a guy I'm just adding with my free slot. And I guess it never hurts that you can get this type of guy. You know he's hitting third or fourth in that lineup. Granted, it's not the greatest lineup. They don't have a terrible top four top four hitters so he can still produce some solid numbers give you some cheap pop and like I said he's he's pretty much free or not being drafted in your leagues and he's a guy like I said I'm actively aiming for and the other guy I w- I'm going to say even though Zach hates him I'm going to say go get Holland but this is <laughs> this is more for your deeper leagues though because anybody who plays in especially again Roto or head-to-head categories People can tell you almost every team tries to roster with appears to be two to three closers. He's the type of guy, you get him, you plug him in. Yeah, I think he's going to hold on to the job for the first half. Maybe it's a little naive. Maybe Hirano get Hirano, however you say Keep dreaming, man. Keep dreaming. Maybe he, gets, maybe he gets the spot. But I'm just – I look at it like it's straight – it's strictly going to be – they're trying to build this uh, trade value. Might not be the prettiest 10 to 15 saves, but I think you get those saves. And at the end of the day, saves are like steals. They can be a little harder to come by. Grab him up 
if he has a hot start, trade him while you can. Maybe like Strickland, maybe same idea. You know, he comes out, Holland comes out, gets two quick saves. Next you know, maybe you can try to flip him. I'm going to – I'm not. I'm going to try to keep him I'm gonna because usually where I have him, I need those saves. If you're going after a guy like him, you need his, you need his stats. Get him, ride him out, and cut him if he doesn't perform or if he loses the job. So just to recap, we all like McNeil, it seems like. Brandon Lau is another name we'll get. Kiki Hernandez, off the waiver wire, you want Solaire, Hudson, Loizaga, Caleb Smith, Yandy Diaz, and Holland. We're getting to the part where I know a lot of guys want to listen or hear about. We're going to go ahead and discuss our listeners in league. Now, I thought there was no chance in heck we'd have enough people interested. But I was like, I talked to, you know, I talked to my guys here, and all of us kind of, all of us agreed. We're like, you know what? Let's put it out there. They were way more confident than I was. And not only did we fill it, I think I mentioned this before in the last episode, but, but we changed it from 12 teams to 15 teams. And that was to accommodate all the last-minute hey, is there any more openings uh, type of people that we were getting via DM, via Twitter, you know, whatever it may be. So we're going to review that a little bit, talk about our teams, how we like them, what we dislike about them, kind of tear each other's apart, and maybe some other oddities throughout the draft in general. So so before we jump into each other's teams and such, do, we're going to just discuss the draft overall and how we think it went. So for me, the first thing that stood out initially right off, right off jump was first round, J.D. Martinez went at 12. That, that blew my mind because he's the top seven pick usually pretty, pretty much across the board, especially in Roto. He gives you a solid floor. You know what you're getting. Now, I'm guilty. I had the eighth pick. I pass on him for Harper. That was just me planting my flag because I can't get enough Harper. Honestly, I was so torn there. And to see that J.D. fell four picks after me, it really blew my mind. But is there anything else that stood out in the first round for you guys or anything in general? Well, thank you for passing on him, Mike. I appreciate it because he fell to me at 12. And I was... Oh, was you, huh? I didn't even see it was that. was me, yeah. Oh, I, was pretty, I was pretty ecstatic to uh, to get him there. I was honestly targeting like a DeGrom or Sale type guy. To, um, didn't they go just ahead, actually? They went right ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> go figure. JD was just sitting there. I really thought JD was going to go 10 or 11. So to get JD at 12, I was... Very happy with that. I hate you. <laughs> hey, you could have had him. <laughs> no, it's not, that, it's not that I wanted him. I just didn't want you to have him. Well, well if Zach wasn't picking JD, I was at 13. <laughs> I got Aaron Judge. And That's he, not a bad consolation prize. It's so. not a bad consolation. I was targeting him. I don't have him in any other leagues out of 20 leagues. So I was pretty happy with that. Even Altuve at 14. I mean, I, love I understand Altuve. he had a rough year last year with injuries and everything, but I mean, that's very low for Altuve. I mean, he, he could turn it right back around this year. So that's an interesting pick that slid. And then George kind of rounded out the first round with Lindor in the 15th, with the 15th pick. I mean, Georgie, are you feeling okay with Lindor with that pick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With uh, I, I had the 15th pick there. Uh, at the turn, I went Lindor and Bregman. Uh, I feel like Bregman, you know, he's he's pretty safe. Uh, I, I love him there at 16. Uh, he's got first-round talent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Lindor, he actually was playing in a minor league game. He was playing full defense. You know, he was at shortstop. He hit two home runs earlier. I believe it was Saturday he was playing. Uh, Saturday might have been early Sunday. Yeah, I think Lindor, after his DL stint, as soon as he's activated, he, he should be just fine. Uh, so I, I like Lindor there. He was going, you know, as high as four earlier, you know, before the injury. 
so maybe I miss out on a home run or, or steal here, here and there. But uh, I, I think with that upside there at, at 15, I, I definitely feel good about Lindor. And Zach, you still got your ace the following round with Justin Verlander pick. So, Yeah, my goal was to go with an elite hitter and an elite pitcher, and I feel like I definitely got that with J.D. and Verlander. I'll tell you, I was I was very, very tempted to take Trevor's story in the second round there. Uh, if you guys remember, I really hyped him up in one of the earlier episodes. Trevor's story is he, he's one of my guys. <laughs> And I, I freaking love Trevor's story, especially in Roto. I mean, he's, he's he, he can get you 30 stolen, but he's, he's a 30-30 guy, basically. I love him in Roto also. But I just really wanted an ace pitcher. And especially with 15 teams, I just didn't know if anybody was really going to fall back to me in the third round. And we'll get to it. But a lot of pitchers went in the second and early third. So I, I feel like it was a, the right move on my part. And as far as the second round goes, I'm looking at it and – I just – I'm not – Teddy two times in his Juan Soto pick at 27th. That's ambitious, man, especially in a non-OBP league. I think Soto is going to be solid, but I just have a hard time. I can't take him over Chris Bryant. I I like mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield, Ben Attendee. These are just some of the names that went after him that I just like better. It's a personal preference. I totally understand the upside for Soto, but it's just not a pick for me. So that's the only thing that really, if I would say, stands out. I'm saying that with like air quotes because nothing really stands out. That's kind of like the one pick where it's like, eh, I can, yeah. I personally think it's kind of a reach. The sophomore slump is a real thing. I mean, a lot of guys <laughs> do struggle in their second year, and it should be interesting to see what Soto does, especially without Harper in the lineup. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a risky pick. I I completely agree. I think I would have went Chris Bryant or Correa before uh, before Soto. But yeah, I mean, the rest of the second round is pretty pretty standard it looks like yeah one thing that does stand out at the end of the second round there was carlos correa i think he went there just a little higher than where, where he's normally going yeah his adp is usually closer i think to the 40s around 40 mm-hmm. yeah it's off the top of my head as well we jumped to the third round and the glaring reach and i'm <laughs> i don't want to poo-poo anybody but i'm poo-pooing this a little bit <laughs> joey Votto at 36 overall our buddy caught stealing at least that's his team name uh, you were caught reaching. Bad pun, but it it, it, it works. King of the I puns just, tonight, Mike. Uh, it, it's the Nyquil and chill in me, man. I'm uh, <laughs> like I, I have Nyquil in my system. I took it like two hours ago. I don't know how I'm functioning, but I'm doing it. I just love doing this. I love bringing content. I love talking fantasy baseball. So I'm here pushing through it. Nonetheless, I digress. Caught reaching. That's what. Yes, what you did in third round. <laughs> Thirty-six overall. Votto falls to the fifties. Pretty much every draft or later. I think he's still solid. I just think you're, you're paying for, even if you're, if he does come back to what we know him to be, is was it 35, 36, age 35, age 36 season at this point? If he comes back to even what we expect him to be or could be, you're paying, you're basically paying for that now at that price. You're not really getting any value there. You're not getting any chance for profit or minimal chance for profit, I should say. Right, and I feel like maybe if this was an OBP league, you can kind of see it because he's going to stand out a lot more in that category um, over over the other guys there. But yeah, I, I definitely think it was a little bit of a reach here with uh, there in the middle of the third round. And also JT Realmuto going 
second pick, third round was a, a little bit of a rage as well. And f- yeah, I'm not big on taking catchers early, so I, I'm on board with that. But, man, it's just hard to ignore the hype with JT. <laughs> I'm a Marlins fan, so maybe I'm a little – maybe my bias is showing. But he's just so solid. But it just it, – it reminds me of uh, Sanchez's last year, so I totally get it. Because Sanchez was like that same guy. Everyone had to have him. This isn't a two-catcher league, so I was I was personally uh, content with great waiting on catcher. And I'll touch upon my approach when we get to my team about – because of how I like – the reason why I like waiting on catcher because of who I got and when I got him, essentially. Right, and going before Chris Davis, Syndergaard, Carrasco, yeah. Bauer, Hoskins, Rendon. I mean, that's that's a that's a reach. Man, I don't get why I don't get why Rendon falls every draft. Speaking oh, of Rendon, I yes, Margot, I hate you, John. <laughs> he took him to he took my guy, the guy you know, one of my guys. He took him two picks ahead of me, Rendon there. It's almost uh, like you listened to the My Guys segment, John. Right. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love Rendon. I think he's uh, an absolute steal there. I actually, you know, I don't know how bold of a call this is, but I think he's going to have a better year than Juan Soto. I'm actually with you on that. So I think that is bold. If you look at ADP, if you look at, you know, auction prices, you look at everything across the board, Soto goes consistently ahead of him, consistently costs more. I would consider that bold. I mean, I understand why maybe, maybe it's not bold, bold, it's still bold when you're when someone's being drafted on average ten to twelve picks later, and you're saying they're going to outproduce that guy. That's pr- and and the fact that you know Soto has the hype he has, he's being comped by like big time analysts and such as the next Albert Pujols type of guy. I mean, this podcast as a whole is really on Rendon. I think if he won an MVP, none of us would be surprised. He has that type no, of not at all. Yeah, I think he just ha- he has a safer batting average. I think you know he's he's gonna have those counting stats there, hitting third in that lineup. Uh, I just yeah, I'm just a huge fan of Rendon. I, I think he's gonna return excellent value even in the third round. Yeah, and I think and the crazy part is is he's always going around this pick range. He's always going around. I feel like for pick forty or later, forty to forty five. I, I almost always see him in every draft at that range, which is crazy. I guess it's because he's boring, you know. He's almost like the Anthony Rizzo of third base. Like, you know what you're getting. He's solid. But third base is deeper, so he falls. Like, I think that's honestly the only reason. If third base was like first base, you would see Rendon going where Rizzo's going. I guarantee it. And there was no way I was passing him up right there. Yeah, you shove it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one my guy gone. Which, by the way, I I feel like John purposely missed my guys. So we wouldn't – not only did we do my guys, but then we talked about guys we target in these formats the other night as well. So we did kind of know some extra other of the people's guys. And then John went ahead and, you know, he listened to my breakouts and bust column. We'll get to that point too. Cause he took one of my breakouts, which wasn't happy about, but that was my fault. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but regardless, my point is um, John skipped out on that episode. I think he did that on purpose though. So we didn't really know all his guys. So we <laughs> couldn't, re- so we couldn't pay him back. Cause he's, he kept doing this to us all draft. So Wesley Snipes showed up last minute. Yeah, he was the he act, was in the, the actor. Man. I don't know if it was there was no acting going on. There was snipe, some serious sniping happening, man. Should have drafted Willie Mays Hayes while you were at it. <laughs> <laughs> the next round is kind of weird. Yeah, so we're so speaking of the next round, we're gonna jump into round four and look at it a little bit. A lot, lot of pitchers. A huge pitching run, huh? Seven Six, pitchers. seven, seven pitchers went in that round. We'll get some relievers at the at the back end <clears> too. But yeah, so we got our first relievers off the board. And I think what's really weird is not only the amount of pitchers, like, I said, like you said, there's seven out of the 15 picks are pitchers, but 
we had two relief pitchers come off the board, and neither of them were Edwin Diaz. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. I've never seen Edwin Diaz go – I. I've seen Trinan maybe go over him one other time, and I've, I'm in 20, I'm in 20 leagues, so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. I've seen Diaz pretty much go every time, cost the most money at auction, and not not only Diaz, I mean not only Trinan, but Hater went ahead of him too, and both Damn, and bold pick at 60 overall. That's you. I don't think he's the closer for long. I think he gets it for like a week or two until Jefferson's back, or they get Kimbrel. That's also a possibility, but that's the thing. He pay, you paid a premium from Hater. I think he's I think he's legit. I think his stuff is nasty, but I think because of that, he's staying in that in that two or three inning you know that multi inning role of his. He's not going to lose it because of his nasty stuff he has. So, is there any, but is there anything else that really? Success? Oh, one of my guys got taken at fifty three overall, Jamison Tyone, but I did it for the Mookie. I was pretty bummed out about that. I mean, I knew I didn't think he'd make it back to me because I've been touting him for so so much and so long. But the fact that he went one pick after me, because I thought it was gonna be, I thought it was kind of early to still take Tyone. Kind of regret it now because I, I was shocked you didn't take him. To be honest, I took Strasburg at um, in the third pick in that mm-hmm. round, and I was targeting Tyon, and I just said Strasburg, and he was well, really sitting right there for you, Mike. Well, yeah. the problem was is I really thought because I love Tyone, but I also love Clevenger, so that kind of falls into the fifth round where. So Clevenger, I was really looking at. I was like, man, okay, I'm, I miss Tyone. But I love Clevenger this year. I haven't really hyped him up in podcasts, but I own him almost as much as I own Tyone. Like, I if I don't get Tyone in leagues, I usually get Clevenger. It's usually one of those two. I guess my SP two. And then he got taken three, two picks ahead of me by by the by Wombats. I'm like, son of a. You just fill in the blank there. My usual thing is to get two of my top twenty pitchers or top fifteen guys. And Clevenger and Tyone, I usually always get as an SP2. And I got Kluber in the, in the second round. I felt like I almost panicked. And I usually don't do this. But I was like, well, I went ahead and took Edwin Diaz instead in the fifth round. Who I liked where I got him, 69th overall. And the, fu- the crazy part is, is, again, we talk about trying going ahead of him, Hater. But then Chapman went. We had three relief pitchers go before Edwin Diaz, which makes no sense to me. I, I, was, I was really, really – I was shocked. I was like – I'm like, did I miss something? I'm looking, I'm looking for, like, last-minute injury news. Did he blow out his arm? Like, I couldn't figure out why he was the fourth relief pitcher taken. It's really interesting. So. Like, there is a lot of starting pitchers taken. Like, there's a significant drop-off. So, you had – at the top of round five, so you have Corbin, Kershaw, Paxton, Berrios, Clevenger, Severino. I feel like – so, Severino was picked um, eighth pick, and then Mike has the ninth pick, so that's when he took Edwin Diaz. But – after Severino, I mean, I think that's kind of where you drop off to the next tier. The next two guys taken were Marquez and I took Zach Wheeler. I had to take Wheeler because, I mean, after that, I mean, obviously Wheeler was one of my guys. But after that, I mean, like I said, there's just a significant drop off. And I did not want to get stuck with just one elite pitcher. I, I think Wheeler could have that elite season. But, yeah, I mean, it just shows you that the pitchers just went flying off the board in this round. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because round seven, the, that was when the next starting pitcher was taken, which was Tanaka. Oh, so none of them went in round six. Wow. None. Yeah, no starting pitchers in round six. You missed out, Mike. Let's see if you regret it. <laughs> well, George got Walker or Bueller in round four at the top. So there was his his ace. Yeah. Player. First, well, a little unproven, but it's still a good pick. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like Bueller. I, I was actually targeting Trevor Bauer, but he got picked a few picks before I was able to go at, with the last pick there in the in the third round. He went at the 11th pick in the third round there to Raul's team. Uh, so I, I pivoted to George Springer there in the outfield and then went ahead and took my first pitcher with Walker Bueller. Yeah, I was take I was taking Bauer there at thirteen if he was falling. To me. I was just gonna say I think all of us were really targeting Bauer in like the third fourth round, and Raúl. Um, I feel like we were saying this a lot in the draft, Raúl. Whoever you are, uh, we we were very impressed with your draft. You took a lot of the guys that we wanted, um, but Raúl took Trevor Bauer eleventh eleventh pick of the third round. I was twelfth pick. I had him queued up, so he would not have gotten to you, John, or George. <laughs> Instead, I took Reese Hoskins there, but Trevor Bauer, I mean, that was a great pick. I think we were all targeting Trevor Bauer with that well, pick. And that was where I kind of uh, – I was really torn. It was honestly between Marte and Bauer for me in the third round. I like to sure up speed kind of early in my drafts in my road leagues. I'm a huge road guy, so Marte is a huge target of mine. You were very high on Marte this year. Yeah, I have him. I have him especially if it's only 5x5 because he hits every category. He even has a little pop in his game. I digress. But so I was like, really, I was really like, I really wanted speed here. I had Harper. I thought Harper and Marte were a beautiful combination because you have the power speed combo right there in those two. And sure's up, you know, kind of gives you a a solid five category floor. But then seeing that pitcher run after me and then missing out on my other two guys, I'm (laughs) just dang, just completely frustrated. And you still got Kluber in the middle of round two, which is well, and that's shocking. Why, well, because I, because I got Kluber in round two, that's what made me go. That honestly made me lean Marte over Power. But then, obviously, seeing how the draft played out and not getting Tyone or Clevenger, and I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big Marquez guy and Wheeler. I just figured he wasn't going to make it back to me after I passed him. So I pivoted and went heavier with the RPs. I don't know, man. I kind of – I'm just looking back. That's the pick where it's like kind of almost wish I went Bauer first just because I feel like there, if there was ever a chance for someone to fall back to me, it could have been Marte looking at the picks that yeah, went after him. so too. Well, I, I was looking at you, you know, about to pick that, and you know, I was like, oh, he's going to have Kluber and Bauer. And then you pick and, Marte, yeah. which threw me off a little bit. And then, well, I, I, I love – like I said, I really do love Marte. I'm all over him in redraft this year and Roto, specifically Roto. Not points. Headache categories, I like them as well because it's similar to Roto, but points leagues, I don't touch them. Also, going back to round five real quick, Kershaw, about right. But Severino's in a 15-team league, I, that might that's, – that's usually a pretty – I would think it's a little early because you know – Right, yeah. Severino did st- stand out for me too, um, you know, in the fifth round. Uh, that's definitely risky. If that's going to be like, you know, your second number two pitcher. I'm not too sure about Severino there. I think that's actually his number three. That's actually his third pitcher. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. So he's got Cindergard, Tyone, and Severino. I mean, if Severino does come back, that's that's a nasty trio to pair <laughs> along with Yelich and Baez. Yeah, he's also passing on a lot of hitting, though. If he's taking Severino there, if he's taken already, if that's his third pitcher in the fi- and it's in the fifth round, and he's going to have to wait on Severino, you know, that's a lot of hitting that he's passing up on. Yeah. Wow, I just realized I hate your pick, John, in this round. The canal. <laughs> I think he's I think he's solid, but I think you pass on a lot of better hitters. Well, I had Dahl lined up, um, and then I thinking about Conforto, but didn't want to do what <laughs> Zach did. Yeah. Why don't we touch upon the sixth round? This is a, a very, <laughs> very, very I wanted to uh 
I wanted to point one more thing out in the fourth and fifth round. Sorry. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, just another thing that stood out to me here in the fourth and fifth round was uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going 15 picks ahead of uh, Eugenio Suarez. Just for me, I, I mean, I guess I could see it in a head-to-head format, but uh, in Roto, I'm, I'm just not sure how much more Guerrero is going to give you than Suarez, uh, especially, you know, with the unknown, you know, when he's going to get called up, you know, is there going to be any setbacks with his injury? So that was just one thing that stood out to me there too, in those two rounds. No, I get it. I'm Vlad was on my bus list for a reason. So you don't have to sell me on something. I'm already sold on that idea. As Mike likes to put it, Vlad is the shiny new toy. I love shiny new toys. Oh, actually I don't. I'm sick of them. Everybody else loves them so much. I'm sick of them. He's the 2019 version of Turbo Man. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of shiny speaking, new toys, perfect. Speaking of it, exactly. John decides <laughs> he's going to take his in the sixth round at 78th overall. He mentioned the probably a couple of days before how Eloy's going to jump up draft boards and blah blah blah. Well, he made sure of it and he snagged them at 78th <laughs> overall. So when I said I hated Cano pick. I really this one I can understand more because at least there's some good there's actual upside here. This is an example of somebody you should have taken it over Cano, which is funny. I mean, it worked out you got him anyway. But Eloy, shiny new toy. Hey, that rhymed. That's awesome. In the sixth round, seventy eighth overall. I get it, but uh, I don't know. I still think that's early. That's kind of where we were hyping him up in the previous episode. We said Eloy was probably going to go about the eighty range. So I mean, it's 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 pretty it's spot. He's ranked in sixties in the sixties on some some rankings out there. I, I just wanted him on my team. I wasn't going to play around, and I wasn't taking Conforto. So yeah, well, speaking of you not taking Conforto, <laughs> uh, the resident that, Mets fan takes well, his guy. No, not your guy, my guy. Oh please, he's both of our guys. But I refuse to share him, and I argue. I've been arguing with everybody. I put it out on Twitter. I say Conforto over Eloy, and you put, you made sure they go back to back to make me even more frustrated because <laughs> it went the wrong order. I just can't believe you. I can't believe you, Zach. You when you did this that, is, you you text the group <laughs> laughing at me, essentially saying, "Ha ha, look what I did." Pretty much. It, I'm not gonna lie. It felt really good to do it. Oh yeah, it felt like. <laughs> but this is what I like to stress. You need to know. You need to know your league. You need to know who's playing in your league. When it's a guy, a group of guys that you do know, I knew that. Mike is a huge Conforto guy. He was kind of coming up on the rankings. I know that there's at least two to three other Mets fans in this league. And I know that they're, I mean, how can you not be high on Conforto this year? So I knew that if I did not let him, if I let him slide, that there's no chance of him coming back to me. So I, I pulled the trigger. But it's interesting to me, going off of our Eloy-Conforto debate, that John chose Eloy over Conforto. He went with the young guy instead of the proven guy. I thought that was interesting. I think John was being nice. You're just, yeah. John wanted to give me Conforto. (laughs) I didn't want the wrath of Mike, number one. (laughs) And number two, I handed Conforto to to Zach, you know? Yeah, I really can't complain, so thanks. (laughs) Doing a solid there. (laughs) The funniest part, Mike ends up with Ozzy Albies. (laughs) Yeah, and that's honestly, it's crazy, the best value. I, I I'm not an Albies guy. I've avoided him all offseason because I didn't like his price. I always say there's no such thing as a guy I won't draft. Everybody has a price. And for me, Ozzy Albies, this was like 30 picks past his ADP almost. This was it does seem like the right price right there. It does. I was super – I was excited for this. Like, I was actually like happy to get him at this price. But, again, this was the right price. But real quick, we're going to move on from the Conforto thing. I just wanted to mention that as soon as he took Conforto – 
I legitimately text them back saying you're off the show. So <laughs> that, that did happen. But, but I'm still it. on the show. Because <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I like you just a little more than I like Conforto, which is a lot because <laughs> I love Conforto. I digress again. I'm good at that today. Albie's 82nd overall. I think, and I'm not just saying this out of bias, I don't care who took him here. I think that's probably the best value of this round, arguably up until this point of the draft even. He's just a great value. And that says a lot because I don't like him. I really don't. But I just, again, where I got him was just, it just didn't make sense. I was like, wow, why is he still there type of thing? Especially in Roto. That's, that's, his, better, that's his better format. David Dahl going to Georgia's team with Brad Hand at the turn. I think those were two solid picks there as well. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I didn't really – like none of my picks are really flashy, but it was just kind of, you know, what was falling to me there at the turn with David Dahl. I, I, you know, he's got the power upside and, and the little bit of speed and hitting in cores. Uh, you know, he, I believe he's hitting fifth in that lineup. So, um, you know, I do like Dahl if he can stay healthy, but um, – yeah, I, I was really just taking, you know, what was falling to me there at, at the turns. That was a good pick. Yeah, one guy that stands out to me there in the sixth, Tommy Pham is someone that can actually return, you know, really, really good value. If he can stay healthy too, 25 home runs, 20 steals season is not out of the question, you know, for someone like Pham. He was on the Price is Right episode because, again, like you said, the health concerns justify why he's going where he's going. But he has – the potential to return that that third round value that you were drafting him at third fourth round last year that he, you were drafting him at he could return that value again this year it wouldn't surprise me team's good I like the spot for him and Roto is definitely is probably one of his better guys. I don't know he's good in points too because he does have good OBP yeah yeah he can hit for average he, he's good in in you know pretty much any format really is just is his health um, but at 84 overall I, absolutely I know his eyes. He has like a degenerative eye thing or something. Right. Yeah. I couldn't find it. I remember hearing something along the lines of him moving from an outdoor stadium, you know, with sun and everything to a dome really helped him too. Like he mm-hmm. could see the ball a lot better, which makes a lot of sense. Cause you know, take away the sun like that. You know what I mean? For, for your home games and all that. Right. It makes sense if that's true. I couldn't find it. I really did look up the report. I couldn't find it though. So maybe I'm just hearing things. Maybe I'm making things up to justify why I like fam as well. <laughs> I don't know, but. But other than that, I've been looking ahead in the seventh round, and nothing's really flashy about the seventh round. It feels pretty right, although I see not JD from Scrubs, a.k.a. Zach Braff here. He stole Robus a pick in, ahead of uh, John, and we all know John loves himself some ro- what how he calls them, Robles. Robles. <laughs> Bar- Barney, Robles. Barney Robles. <laughs> Barney Robles, but... Barney uh, Victor Robles. But, uh, <laughs> I had a feeling that John had him queued up there. I knew oh, John was high on it. Did. I thought it was great value at that pick, uh, the stolen base upside. I had to jump on it. And it really it gives me an elite outfield, I think, if not the most elite outfield in the league with J.D., Conforto, and Robles. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, it was a great pick. Um, I had him queued up for sure. And you know, I have him on most of my teams. Except for, this yeah. one, Except for this one. Except for this one. <laughs> well, Zach likes to, you know, he made a point this draft to be the resident troll instead of a resident celebrity. I was, I was shocked he was taken, to be honest. There was a lot of sniping that went on in this draft, and that, that was only the beginning. But John got me back. Somebody referenced it like a Call of Duty match. Just everybody was getting nope. sniped. Goodness. Um, yeah, I, and that's funny because I almost took Robles, mostly for the re- reasoning I just wanted to mess with John a little bit but then I was like but I'm a big Will Myers guy 
I'm all, I have him literally in probably 70% of my leagues or more. It's ridiculous. So when he gets hurt, because, you know, he's playing the outfield, when he gets hurt, I'm going to be really bummed by that. But until then, I just can't quit him for some reason. It's the power-speed combo. I just he'll, – He'll be batting at the top of that lineup in no time, Robles. They actually, oh, 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 going back to Robles, yeah. Listen, we know it's Robles, but for us, it's Robles. We just, it's just the way we like to – not we, I should say John, but it kind of rubs <laughs> off on us. I don't think there's anything that really sticks out otherwise, guys, on the seventh round. It looks pretty standard. Yeah, one guy I don't necessarily like in this format exactly. I was just going to say Carpenter in this format, you know, uh, with counting batting average uh, there in the seventh round. That was just one pick. You know, everything else is pretty, you know, standard. Nothing nothing else too flashy. No one really stands out. But Carpenter in this format, uh, I I don't really like him there. Nothing too flashy. I... Just going back to the very end of the the sixth and the seventh round, there's somebody in the league. Um, it's actually uh, I think his name is Rob um, at Corn Corn Fuse. There were two back to back picks that he had that I really liked. I actually kind of got a little angry in the draft because I wanted both of these guys. So he was one of the snipes in this draft. But he picked Justin Turner and Felipe Vasquez, both guys that I highly value mid round in a roto league. I mean Turner gives you. 300 batting average, 20 home run potential, and Vasquez is a good, is is one of the better high end relievers in my opinion. Getting him in the seventh round, I think it's a great value. So I liked those two picks as well. We all agree that there's not really anything flashy or fun. Uh, we don't have to look much farther though, because you go to the eighth round and and sure enough, there's another shiny new toy. Jumped up about a hundred places in ADP and <laughs> did it for the Mookie. Took a uh, Zach's boy, uh, Peter Alonzo. Alonzo at 113. That was a real – that was almost – I don't know what I was more surprised about, that or Craig Kimball falling to 112. That's kind of like both of them are really big for me. I got like – both those picks are very interesting, very controversial, so to speak. I think you can expect the Kimbrell fall, considering the guy doesn't even have a team. But the Alonzo pick, I think we all have agreed that that's probably the biggest reach of the draft. I think it could pay huge dividends. As you know, I have a strong love for Peter Alonzo, but it's clear that did it for the Mookie does as well. Picked him eighth in the eighth round. I mean, it, it's a huge reach, but it might pay off. We'll see. We'll see how it pays off though. Yeah, absolutely. We all love, you know, Alonzo's upside, but you know, going a few picks ahead of someone like Andrew McCutcheon, I'm not so sure I would take Alonzo over McCutcheon there. I think I still like McCutcheon's upside with the, you know, hitting in the top of that order. He could have a, you know, good average and chip in some steals. So I'm not sure so sure I would have taken uh, Alonzo there. That that definitely stood out for me. And it's interesting that Alonzo went in that spot because some of us had a feeling that Alonzo was getting ready to go anytime soon. And I know I was talking to John. He was considering Alonzo with that. What you were considering with the third pick of the eighth round, weren't you, John? Yeah, instead of Devers, because I already had two third basemen, and I thought he might go one more round and I could get him in round nine. I definitely was eyeing him up because I missed out on my first base. I didn't choose a first baseman. I didn't pick Freddie Freeman. I picked um, I picked Machado instead of Freeman in round two and giving up the elite first baseman. And I thought I could get my first baseman right there. And then I, cho- I just chose De- Devers because I like his upside this year and, and that lineup that he's in. But I think those two present a very similar upside. I like Devers a little more. Most I think his lineup – but I don't know if, if Alonzo actually does hit second. That's, that's a very interesting 
those two. I think those two are very interesting players to keep an eye on. I think they belong in similar range of picks. So I think Alonzo was a little bit of a reach, though. But I think Alonzo now, you know, now that he's been named the starter or should be named the starter, I think they should be similarly ranked because I think they offer a similar kind of upside. And Travis Shaw being right there, uh, right after him, having three three slots at first base, second base, and third base was also a pretty good pick. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. But he's also one of those guys that are just boring. Nobody wants because of that. But, yeah, that shiny new toy going ahead of him. Kimbrell, again, I, I understood that he fell. But at, when he's going over after pick 100 and probably I'm, – I'm just guessing roughly the 10th relief pitch off the board or so, I, have, I personally have no problem taking a chance on him there. I don't mind waiting. I mean, I, I think he's going to sign right before the season starts and he'll probably miss the first couple of weeks. I'm, I was, again, I was going to take that risk. Also, I know my strategy. I knew I was going to get another closer before the draft was over at this point. So I was willing to take the guy with the elite upside as a closer. Again, was willing to take the chance of him missing up to a month of the season. And there was a lot of closers in there. Wade Davis went to, to Zach. LeCleric went. Hicks. Iglesias from the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. LeClerc was my target, actually, but Raul, Raul was – congratulations, buddy. If you're listening, which I, I assume you are because you're in our listeners league, <laughs> you really, really frustrated us this draft. You ruffled some feathers here, man. At least once for every one of us, at least. And then you got Jay Happ in next round and pick 11. And that's who you were targeting, right? I was not. No? No <laughs> I was targeting <laughs> Bieber. I hate you. That was an in, that's an interesting three picks in a row, though. You got Jay Hab, Robbie Ray, Shane Bieber. I mean, they're all kind of just jumbled together there. Um, it's hard to kind of pick one that stands out. But well, um, before we – I mean, not, round, round nine as a whole was interesting. Like, I made a boneheaded decision. I, for some reason, I'm a Bieber guy. I've posted Bieber Believer. You got the like, fever? I've, I've posted the Bieber Fever like memes on Twitter. I've ta- I've commented on it. I've said Bieber Fever on a podcast, and I felt really weird doing it. Still do. Before we even got to that, you had two of our my guys taken: Glasnow and Mustakis. Jeffrey's team took Glasnow and Moose Knuckles. <laughs> Such a funny <laughs> name. I don't know if you changed it after drafting, but Moose Knuckles took Mustakis. And um, it, yeah, both these guys were on our my guys episode. I love Mustakas this year. He was actually my target this round, and it frustrated me when he got when he got sniped. So I think because of that, it put me into this like I don't know who to take thing. And Bieber was there, and I'm like, you know what? I think Bieber could sneak back to me. I'll take Rodriguez because Erod's decent in five by five. He's not he's good for wins. He's on a team that should win a lot. And then of course I that was, so it was my fault. John took my one of my guys I love this year, but that was just by my own selfish re- attempt to try to get him later. Once again, my eyes were wide open because I was shocked, in shock, that Mike took uh, Erod there. So I couldn't, uh-huh. let, I couldn't let Bieber pass up there. That was one of my least oh, wow. favorite picks of the draft, by the way, Mike. You taken yeah. Eddie? I just didn't like it at all. Uh, I'm glad I can. I'm glad I can do that for you, buddy. Just another, just another thing to add in uh, round nine. Nick Pavetta going pretty high there. I'm not a Pavetta guy. It depends on who you ask. Um, a lot of there's a lot of a lot of analysts in on him. I understand the upside. I'm just I've again it's usually hammer Bieber in drafts. So you usually have to get one or the other. And usually I get Bieber, but I took Erod apparently. I don't know. But <laughs> you know what who stood out for me was actually George's pick. I think Jesus Aguilar one thirty five has to be one of the lowest ADPs ever or one of the lowest draft positions I've ever seen him go. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I uh, you know, I hadn't taken a first baseman at that point yet. And seeing him there, like, again, like how I mentioned earlier, just kind of taking what fell to me there. Jesus Aguilar falling to me at the, with the last pick there in the ninth round uh, um, perfectly. And, and at that point, I kind of needed some power and RBI. So Aguilar right there for me worked perfectly fine. It blew my mind. I didn't even realize he was still, I guess I must have missed him or... I just think 135 is really late for him. I'm pretty sure he's like a top 75 guy usually in most drafts, maybe top 80. It's come, I, yeah. mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what that's usually his ADP. That's really good value here, especially considering you guys going before him. Like Peter Alonso is what comes to mind. Like Peter Alonso or Aguilar, I can understand wanting to take uh, Alonso, but I don't think Alonso is 20 plus picks better than Aguilar. So I like I like that value. I think you got a really good value there. Aguilar might not even be the starting guy like midseason. It's I mean, obviously, if he's hitting the way he did last year, then yeah, he'll be playing. But you got the second base prospect on his way. You got Travis Shaw. You got Moose. You got uh, Hero. Hero is that second base prospect? I think. How do you say his name? Yeah, Keston Hero. Yeah. His, so yeah, his I mean, defense keeps him there. It's possible that Aguilar may not even have a starting job midseason, depending on what happens. But, I mean, it's an interesting pick. I, I personally would still rather have Alonzo. I think if we swapped where they went in this draft, we might not – it might not be so much of a surprise there. But just the fact that Alonzo went so much further ahead of Aguilar, uh, I think that, that, that that's what stands out. Yeah, I don't think that's standard for any other draft. I think we all realize that Alonzo – he was a reach there because there's obviously some guys very high on him in this league. So I think typically Aguilar would go ahead of him, but that's just not how it worked out in this one. We're going to jump to round 10. And a few things that really caught my eye around 10 was uh, only one thing was Domingo Santana. 146 over. I mean, I was getting this guy close to 300 overall in leagues to start. Like I was drafting early. To see him go that high, that that one that little two game series really boosted his ADP ridiculously. He's he really stands out there, and also Scooter Jeanette. The reason why it's funny for me, first of all, I don't think he belongs one forty fifth, one hundred forty fifth overall because of how long he's out. But the best part is he's already been dropped, so <laughs> that's why I can't help it. Oh, caught stealing. Yes, he got caught reaching again, dude. No, but, <laughs> um, James Dixon called. And now he stopped listening. Um, well, Nick Senzel going fifth in that round as well. And George getting probably the best player out of all those Reds is uh, Reds players, Jose Peraza, now has a job. Well, yeah, now there's like really no question about it. <laughs> like, I agree. I really like the Peraza pick, especially for speed. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I guess now it's getting to a point where it's kind of a uh, preference. So is there anything throughout the rest of the draft, like as far as obviously we've covered it pretty in depth by now but if we do it this way the rest of the draft we're gonna we're gonna this will be an eight-hour podcast so we're gonna start just speeding it up a little bit a little bit um hot is there any highlights a couple couple of things that stood out for throughout the rest of the draft for you guys i think 11th round just a few guys that we've touched upon in previous podcasts austin meadows went 11th in the 11th round and well, ryan don't mcmahon forget, don't forget uh, who, don't forget who took who took meadows name say the name uh, Raul's there you go, buddy Raul. Just <laughs> sniping, yeah. Just thought, uh, uh, Raul know. took Austin Meadows with the 11th pick. I went Moncado with the 12th, and then John took my guy, Ryan McMahon, 13th. Um, <laughs> shocker trying to snipe us again, but Payback. another interesting not trying paddock, successfully. Paddock, the, paddock with the 15th pick of that round was another good pick. By Ooh, that was a great pick. 
I saw Tim Anderson go in the 12th round. I'm not a huge Tim Anderson guy, but the 174th pick, you're getting a guy with 20-20 upside that late. Pretty solid get. So when I saw that, I was like, okay. Like I said, it's the Wombats got him. Whoever, I can't say the first part. Weekapog? Weekapog. That's a fish, uh, fish reference there. Weekapog Wombats. They got Tim Anderson 174. And solid pick. You can stick him in your middle infield slot and – he should get you 2020 this year. He's pretty much good for 2020. So I'm just curious, Mike, you're talking about Tim Anderson there. So Tim Anderson went one 12th round, ninth pick. And then Ahmed Rosario went first pick of the 13th round. Who would you prefer out of those two? Uh, I'll go Rosario. I think his upside's better. I know he'll get me. I know he's going to get me those steals I want or need. Both very similar players. Yes. Anderson, I think Anderson has less on, I think he has less on base skills. I think he's a little more aggressive at the plate. So there's more swing and miss. So I think Rosario gets on base more, so it gets, leads to more steals. Similar batting average. Rosario less power, more speed, or more steals anyway. Anderson has the speed, but doesn't get as many steals. A little more pop in his bat. Rosario a better lineup. Anderson might hit higher. So, it's again, it's, I think it's a lot of preference. I would go Rosario personally. Add round 13, second pick in that, in that uh, round. Jesse Winker went to Jeffrey's team. Winker. And he's uh, one of my guys. And then also you picked Strom there. And yeah. I was hoping he was going to fall to me. But nope. He, but you called it in our text messages. He's like, I know who Mike's taking. And I'm like, I'm like who? He wrote, and he wrote back. I'm like, and as, as I picked it, he pretty much said it. I'm like, <laughs> yep, called it. Bingo. So 14th round, an interesting pick I thought from John was Tatis Jr. I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about him. I didn't have him queued up. He's ranked really low on Yahoo. That pick could really pay off in a month, if not sooner. I saw reports today that it's possible. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but, I mean, Tatis, obviously, he thinks he's ready. He just is performing out of this world right now. I mean, he, he really should make that team. He should be the starting shortstop. But I think they'll probably hold him back for the service time-related issues. But John might have gotten a steal in the 14th round here. It's a five-tool stud potential guy. Well, now, speaking of John... He took Dakota Hudson from you in the 16th round at 288, or sorry, at 228. <laughs> so I thought I'd mention yeah. that just to get that in there. And Who another, set up his draft picks? <laughs> but it's all right. Enjoy them. Another pick I really like, I should say, was the 19th round was Marwin Gonzalez, mostly because of the fact that it was the 284th pick that was from Ichiban's team. I just think it's a solid pick to put in your lineup. And he, I think it's because on Yahoo, he has first, second, shortstop, and outfit eligibility. And he's going to be playing third for Sano while Sano's out. So he has an everyday job. He's going to gain, he's going to gain another position. And at, in a 15-team league, you can't really go wrong getting a guy that's going to pretty much be eligible everywhere but pitcher and catcher. So I think that's a really solid pick, solid way to, you know, kind of get for depth in your, in your draft in this format. So, or any format, really. Again, for a deeper league. I didn't see how high Trevor Richards went. He went round 17, first pick of the draft from Corn Fused. I, I like Trevor Richards this year. I think the hype is getting him picked a little er- earlier than he used to go. But once you get past the top 200, I mean, even or 150 even, it's a lot of its preference. There's no, I don't think there's any real, real such thing as a reach anymore once you get to a certain point. If you look at 10 different rankings, you're going to get 10 different outcomes of where guys should go. So – now that we've kind of reviewed the draft, do you guys want to look over your teams a little bit? Maybe talk about them. Maybe what we like about each other's teams, what we don't like. 
Zach, oh, sorry, Zach, do you want to go ahead and start? Tell, tell us about your team, what you think. So, overall, I'm pretty satisfied with my team. I know that Yahoo's projections say otherwise. I highly disagree with Yahoo's projections. They they kind of project the, the standings in Roto after you complete the draft, and apparently they did not like the way that I drafted, although I completely disagree. They had me ranked as the last team as of right now, um, which I'm I'm still – quite salty about <laughs> which is about right but overall I, I'm, I'm happy with with the core of my team I ended up with with Reese Hoskins J, with JD Martinez Reese Hoskins Conforto Robles those are, uh, actually so everybody knows just go ahead and from top to bottom top to bottom okay we'll yeah. do it like that so I have Molina as my catcher Reese Hoskins at first Moncada at second Carlos Santana at third Segura at short. My three outfielders are J.D. Martinez, Conforto, and Ro- and Victor Barney Robles. Ro- Victor Barney Robles. <laughs> Utility, I got Francisco Mejia and Jeff McNeil. And on my bench, I got Shohei Otani, who I really like as a late-round pick coming back in May. I think he should do solid. Especially in daily. I like him as well. Yes, yes, especially in daily. Pitching-wise, I'm happy with my one-two punch of Verlander and Wheeler. I got Wade Davis and Cody Allen as my closers. And then I also have uh, Michael Givens, Adam Adovino, Joe Jimenez, Luke Weaver in my pitcher slots. And my bench um, is carried out by Robbie Ray, Kyle Freeland, Kyle Wright, and Carlos Rodon. So overall, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the guys that I ended up with. I wish that I could have possibly added one more upper tier starting pitcher like I said I was really trying to target Trevor Bauer kind of earlier in that third fourth round so I kind of wish I had another starter but I really do think that between Luke Weaver Robbie Ray Kyle Freeland I think one of those guys will hit and I'm hoping Carlos Rodon will hit one of these years and Kyle Wright was one of my guys so I'm, I'm, I'm confident that somebody will hit out of that bunch and I really I'm happy with my offense. I think I got some pop in Hoskins and JD and Conforto. The stolen bases are there with Robles and Moncada and Segura. And I think I got average covered with McNeil and Segura. And Carlos Santana is almost a lock for 20 homers, 80 ribbies. So overall, I think I'm ha- I'm, I'm pretty – pretty happy with my team i don't think it's a last place projected team and it really pisses me off (laughs) now bounce off to that for one second so my team versus the number one projected team i'm not going to name names but i'm just going to give you a little taste of what the number one projected team from yahoo has and well it's we're going to post the standings on Tomorrow. So okay, so we're going to post the standings. So you'll see who we're talking about. But this team, they have a nice first baseman by the name of Freddie Freeman. Okay, he's very good. Suarez is on the team. DeGrom, Carrasco. Okay, but there's also guys, David Price, who's day-to-day right now. Fulte's going to start on the DL. Rich Hill's going to start on the DL. Batances is going to start on the DL. How are you going to tell me that this team is projected to be the number one team and I'm the dead last team? Pisses me off. I'm going to write an email to Yahoo. I'm pissed. Somebody well, else. I mean, well, it doesn't help when you have a catcher in your utility spot. Come on, man. Well, I was just going to say that. <laughs> well, the I, don't even, I don't even have a catcher. Training. And I figured I could trade him to John, who doesn't have a catcher. 
<laughs> stop it. Even if it's- he is not going to get as many as at bats as we all like, but he is an offensive juggernaut uh, in, in the spring training right now. I don't know if Austin Hedges is going to be. They're just going to split the time, or they're just going to Mejia is just going to take over. I mean, the team's loaded with with young talent. Do you guys think this is a last projected team, or do you think I'm better than that? In all reality, it's really too too early to tell. We're supposed to be the smart ones, and we're all projected lower half. So, I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> I mean, besides my team, and there's one other team I was going to mention. I like Zach's team probably the best with Hoskins, Segura, Martinez, Conforto, just, Robles. You like. Yeah, it's Robles. And, Mc, and McNeil. <laughs> and then he's got Verlander, Davis, Allen, Givens. I mean, his pitching staff is still – those projections are, are wrong. Fast forward six months, he's in last place. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, I will gladly bow out of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you won't have to bow out. We'll just kick you out. <laughs> You're kicking um, me out. <laughs> no, it's obviously all in good fun. Uh, John, since uh, you were just talking about your team a little bit, you want to go ahead and talk about how much you like your team, I should say. There's a couple mistakes I might have made looking back at it on the draft, analyzing it. I might have taken Albies instead of Cano or David Dahl instead of uh, Cano at that spot. I like uh, the pick of Machado, obviously Eloy, my guy. I got Miguel Andahar and then Anthony Rendon, which is entirely too many third basemen, but (laughs) I went (laughs) – I went with some power and I went with solid people that are going to be high up in their lineups and, and just, you know, run scored and, and, and power for the most part. Um, the pitching kind of struggled here and there. Brad Keller, I'm not that satisfied with, um, but I like the Musgrove. I like the Marco Gonzalez, Pablo Lopez, and of course, the Dakota Hudson um, and Bieber. I guess, I guess you're punting saves because you don't have a single closer. And punting saves, I like to pick those up off the waiver wire. I don't necessarily think that some of the – I mean, some of the closers went pretty high up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they just kind of went in, in, in bunches early. And then when I was waiting for them, maybe some of the players to fall that I, that I thought could I could grab, they just kind of went off the board. I, I was contemplating a trade to make, to make some saves happen, and we'll see if, if something like that comes about. I'm pretty happy with Aaron Judge and, and Machado and Eloy and, you know, obviously Devers being there. That's my – and Tatis <laughs> kind of stole him as well. Yeah, let's just hope he actually gets called up. It would be good for – not just for fantasy, but for in general. It's always good for baseball when the young, exciting, you know – those young, exciting prospects get called up and get a chance to really make an impact. They're shiny new toys for for fantasy world and for reality. So, George, what about you? What say you, man? Yeah, just to run down my team, um, I got Wellington Castillo at catcher. I got uh, Jesus Aguilar, Willie Adamas, uh, Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, George Springer, uh, David Dahl, Michael Brantley, uh, Jose Peraza, Malik Smith. Um, I, I do have a couple guys that I'm going to have to wait on with some upside here on my bench with Kyle Tucker and uh, Matt Olson. Uh, my pitchers, I, I got Walker Bueller, Charlie Morton, Brad Hand, Brendan Woodruff, uh, Chris Paddock, Alex Reyes, Ryan Presley, Ryan Brazier, uh, Mike Miner, Jeff Samarja, and then my last pick I had taken, Jesus Lazardo. So, I mean, uh, I think I did a, a good job of just kind of letting the draft fall to me uh, and, and taking the value. I think maybe one of my favorite picks was getting uh, Malik Smith at 166. Um, you know, one of the elite deals guys who's going to provide a good batting average as well. 
so really, I mean, uh, nothing too flashy on my team at all. I, I do wish as well that I would have gotten um, another good, uh, solid starting pitcher with Charlie Morton being my SP2. Uh, not so sure how I feel about that. And then, you know, I got some guys with some upside with Woodruff, Paddock. I keep getting Reyes around pick 200. I took him here as well. I, I just feel like, you know, he's either going to get pushed into the rotation or he's going to be, you know, uh, maybe getting saves. I, I just, I, I don't think he's going to be stuck in middle relief all year. I, I do think he could be the next year's, you know, Walker Bueller, you know, someone who gets that rotation spot in the second half and then just pitches lights out. Nothing really more, you know, to add. I, I do. I think my, I have a solid overall team. I like George's pitching staff: uh, Paddock, Rays, Ryan Presley, and then Brad Hand. Uh, uh, he's going to get more, so many saves. Yeah, and they did. They did just give Presley uh, an extension. Mm-hmm. So that that was another thing. You know, um, when I took Presley and and uh, Ryan Brazier there at the. 17th and 18th round those were just some guys that that I was hoping you know later on can get thrown into you know closing situation there with their teams absolutely so that was my favorite format so I really you know put my all into it as always and I really like how my team turned out but it feels kind of not strong like in certain categories feels like almost too balanced it's my catcher is Grandal first base is Dan Murphy second is Albies third base is Will Myers Shortstop is Jorge Polanco, which was one of those guys I talked up as a guy I like to get in the end of drafts. Uh, outfield, obviously, I got my guy, Bryce Harper. Starling Marte, I touched on a little bit of my reasoning behind him. Nomar Mazzara is my third outfielder. Utilities, Josh Bell and Randall Grishuk. And then on the bench, I got Gregory Polanco, Ryan O'Hearn, and Adam Frazier. Polanco discussed why he's one of my guys as well. Touched on him a little bit, just a little bit of power speed. Ryan O'Hearn, a little bit of cheap power. And Adam Frazier, he's kind of a guy that a little bit of speed, some power, but he's going to be leading off, I think, or hitting top two in that lineup. Some second base and outfield eligibility. So I liked him there. And then my pitching staff, this is where I'm disappointed because I usually draft better starting pitchers. But I got Corey Kluber, which is a great ace for any staff. But then after that, on my starters, it kind of went downhill. I got Erod, not a huge Eduardo Rodriguez guy. Again, I wish I took Bieber over him. That's one of those things I look back. But Erod, I took nonetheless as my SP2, and I'm whatever about it. For As far as relief pitchers go, Edwin Diaz and Craig Kimbrell. If Kimbrell can get a damn job, <laughs> I, I have two of the top five closers in the league, so I'm definitely set up well for saves. To circle back to my starting pitchers, I got Rick Porcello and Strom. Strom is just a guy that everyone's all over. I had to get my – I had to get – I've been getting him a little bit recently. John made sure to point out the fact that he knew I was taking him in the middle of the draft. He was right. I got he did call it. He, he did. did. <laughs> it was perfect timing. I did circle around and get Hunter Strickland as my third closer. So if there is a gap between Kimball getting signed and being ready, hopefully Strickland can get me a few saves in between. I got Carmart, who just went on the DL, so that freed up a, a spot for me to add. Uh, Waka, who I'm not a huge fan of. But he was, I think it was my last pick. And it was just somebody that he's been doing pretty well in spring training, so I'm kind of chasing that, see if he keeps that up. And then Domingo Herman, who's a guy that – he's actually a guy that I would recommend going back to waiver wires. He's somebody you might want to see if he's out there. He could be solid. He could keep a spot if he pitches well enough. You never know. Injuries happen. Uh, Severino could have setbacks. Herman's a guy to definitely keep your eye on. So, overall, I'm pretty happy with my, my team. 
I would like to get another starting pitcher. And I don't know. I think, again, my, my offense isn't strong anywhere necessarily, but it's just I feel like I balanced it out well. Speed, power, batting average. Pitching, I wish I had another a better SP2, but I think I made up for the difference in my ace to my other starting pitchers with the elite relief pitchers to make up kind of bridge that gap. So, well, I think it's a it's a balanced team. Um, Good, not great. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It just, there's just nothing that really. I mean, obviously, I love I love Bryce Harper. I think Murph is a good pick. Kluber is a great pick, but nothing else really stands out to me. I know you love the one-two punch of Diaz and Kimbrell, but the whole Kimbrell not being signed thing right now with the season about to start really bothers me. And I just think it lacks a little bit of pitching depth. Being completely honest, you know your stuff, but just sometimes the dominoes don't fall the way you want it to in a draft. And it seems like you kind of miss out on a few guys that you were targeting. Well, it's okay. Well, I definitely missed out on a few guys. And then, of course, it doesn't help when – my own co-hosts take Conforto and stuff from me. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> but, You've got 19 other teams to worry about. <laughs> yeah, no, but this one means pretty much as much as any other. It's, it's our inaugural listeners league, which it means the world to us that you even reached out and asked if we were doing one and then to go beyond that. And we had to make room for more people. This is an awesome experience. We couldn't ask for better listeners without you. This league wouldn't happen without you, this excitement and this, you know, just everything we do, you guys drive us to do. So we can't thank you enough. And be sure to obviously, you know, continue to follow us. We'll, we'll continue bringing some more content. For those that might be new, you can follow us on Twitter. You can ask us questions. We're glad to get back to you. And our show is available pretty much on every format. iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It's you ha- Stitcher. If you have it, our show is pretty much on there. So feel free to subscribe, review it, share it with your friends, please. Um, the more, the more our name gets out there, the better it is for us and it'll help us grow. And, but nonetheless, we are grateful for everybody who gives us a listen. We love all the feedback, the good, the bad, the constructive criticism, super helpful. And we, we couldn't ask for more. So again, guys, another, another fun episode. Look forward to bringing you more and uh, talk to you soon.